Celebrate New Year's Eve and ring in 2020 with the perfect view at the Commonwealth Club's premier Embarcadero location. As thousands of spectators watch from below, you'll revel in rooftop views of the famous Embarcadero fireworks, indulging cuisine, high-end spirits, lively entertainment, and the ultimate New Year's Eve experience. Our New Year's Eve party was ranked in the top 10 New Year's Eve parties in San Francisco. So visit our website and reserve your spot today. CommonwealthClub.org. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome. If you're here for the first time, the Michelle Miao Show is your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. And so the mission of the program actually is to provide a platform for us to be able to freely express ourselves and share our genuine, authentic stories and how uh, social justice plays out into our life and all of uh, the inequalities that one might face and also bring us all together as a community to discuss that. So that's why it's so perfect to have Carolyn C-Dub here with us and for the very first time tape a live podcast of her show. And I'm very excited that uh, we're able to do this and talk about the very important topic of social media, Facebook, and racial bias. So without further ado, let's welcome C-Dub and the entire panelists, and I'll have uh, Carolyn take it away. All right. So thank you all again for coming out to the C-Dub show. This is actually our 50th episode, so yay. At least it will be by the time that it's put on our iTunes. It'll be the 50th episode. I think we're on on the podcast. We're only on 147. Anyway, um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of housekeeping that I do on every episode. Now, they are going to put this on the Commonwealth Club page, and it's probably going to really be nice and clean and edited. I am still not good at editing our show. <laughs> so anything that you do not want on the C-Dub show platform, don't yell it out, don't say it, and all those good things, because I can't edit it out. <laughs> so I want to bring up my co-host, Courtney, Courtney, Cecilia, Welsh, and Cruz. Come on up to the stage. <laughs> Woo! Let's go ahead and have a seat, Courtney. Okay. We do have another co-host, but she's on. She tried to quit, but she's on sabbatical. We did not accept her resignation. So. <laughs> her, her name is B. Willis, and we are not accepting her leaving. Um, so she's in grad school, and then she so, got a girlfriend. So and she left us for a woman education or whatever. So. Um, the C Dub Show is not your normal Commonwealth Club podcast. So you are going to hear <laughs> us talking a lot of crap on this feed. I'm sorry, Commonwealth Club listeners. We talk a lot of shit. Um, everything here is off the cuff, and especially on this topic that we're talking about today, it's going to be a lot of shit talking, so I apologize again. One thing that we do to get the show started is we go ahead and look at some of the most, the memes that have been going through the internet, and especially with today's um, topic, we're going to go through these. We go through the memes, our funniest memes, our viral videos, and we discuss them. Now, there's a, a current meme. Don't put it up yet, Justin. There's a current meme called the, the Lady Screaming at the Cat. The lady screaming at the cat came about, I guess, from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is where the, yes, the, the Taylor white Yes, Taylor Armstrong. So she's screaming. Unfortunately, on the show, she's having a mental breakdown, but we don't care. And so <laughs> someone put her together with a cat, and this cat is, like, sitting in front of, of a plate of be- vegetables looking oblivious. Um, and it was all nice and dandy until black folks got a hold of it, and then these started happening. So, Justin, please throw up the first meme. So... Taylor is screaming, it's toilet paper. So that's supposed to be like the white, the nice white version. It's toilet paper. Black folks, it's Tisha. 
<laughs> and the difference is supposed to be tissue is what you use on your face. Oh, yeah. And toilet paper is in the bathroom, <laughs> but it's all the same black in black households. Tissue. It might be tissue paper, tissue. paper towels, napkins if you're running low in between checks. Yeah, wipe so. your face with the tissue, wipe your hands after you eat with the tissue. Get all your tissue. Good. Yeah, I'm a little bit country. It makes sense to me. Justin, what's the next one? It's time to go. And then somebody put a church lady hat on the cat and said, take your time, Pastor. Now, if you ain't never been to black church, you might not get that. But it makes perfect sense to me because I'd be ready to go. And someone always started getting the Holy Ghost and we had to keep going. You have to prolong the service. Yeah. And at that go. time, everyone's hungry. So it's like just you can stick it's your all, tongues and it's always some old lady with a hat on sitting in the front who does it. This is it's a perfect meme. Justin, what's the next meme? It's W-E-B Du Bois. And I can't even say it like, like the Taylor. The Bois. It's W-E-B Du Bois. That's how I say it. I don't, I don't really get that one because that should be how it sounds. <laughs> it's W-E-B Du Bois, isn't it? Du Bois. Oh. <laughs> I told you I'm country. I don't know. So those are our... That's if our you say Du Bois, everyone knows who you're talking about, though. It's, you sure it's not Du Bois? I'm pretty sure it's Du Bois. Oh. Okay. Well, then there you go. Okay, well, that was our thank you for our meme check-in, Courtney. <laughs> we did not get yours because, it, you know, in true black folks fashion, you were late. So <laughs> she gave me a deadline. I pushed. I said, oh, look at this one. She said, this is funny. We're going to use that next time. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about Facebook and censorship, primarily of black folks and people of color. The way that I got into this work, one of our panelists actually got me involved after I almost got banned from Facebook. (laughs) Um, Our other panelist has been banned quite a few times and probably has a lot more stories about it. Um, We were able to do a article in USA Today where they featured me and my true story about getting banned from Facebook. Um, and we've been doing a lot of work around that. So I'm going to go ahead and bring the panelists up. We first have Chaney, one of our favorite Oakland canapreneurs and frequently banned Facebook user. <laughs> Come on up, Chaney. Thank you for being here. <laughs> and then we have Johnny. Johnny is a senior director. Close enough. Senior, senior <laughs> program campaign director at Color of Change. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. Okay, so like I said, we're talking about Facebook and we're talking about the issue of so many people of color, specifically black folks, organizers, content creators who are frequently banned on Facebook. So I want to ask first, Cheney, how do you primarily, I thought I asked all of you, how do you primarily use Facebook and or a subsidiary Instagram? Um, I use it for a lot of things, um, you know, mainly to communicate you know, with my folks, um, it is a source of, you know, current events and, uh, and, um, can we curse on here? Yes, you oh, can. Yes. That was yes. a big we thing. Yeah, okay. I've been, okay. I've been telling Courtney for a month that we can't cuss and Michelle said we can. So go ahead. I was yeah. Kidding. You know, it's just basically bullshit around. Um, but, but also, you know, it is a, uh, a platform to where, we can talk about serious issues that's affecting us that, you know, the overall mainstream media um, won't do. Okay. They, won't, they won't speak for us, so we got to speak for ourselves. Courtney, what is your main primary use for Facebook and Instagram? I think mainly it's part <laughs> personal diary, part current events, part sounding board, 
part, part you yelling at people? I forcefully <laughs> use my God-given right to spread important information oh, okay. and sometimes That's correct people when they are very much incorrect and spreading harmful rhetoric. So that's what I do. But I, I mainly, it's it's a place to connect. And we met through Facebook. We did. We So it's like you, sometimes you, you connect with individuals and you're able to take that meeting offline and it grows into amazing uh, opportunities and great fun times. But it, it's like a, it's like an ongoing personal and social diary. Okay. Now, Johnny, I know personally you're not on Facebook very what? much these days. He's not. He doesn't even. But he can tell us a little about what he does, and that's probably why he's not on Facebook that often. <laughs> so, personally, I'm not a big poster. I definitely follow a lot of th- uh, things on Facebook. I have a lot of uh, sort of my, like, activist communities on Facebook and Instagram, and I learn about a lot of the campaigns that we want to run from folks I talk to on, on Facebook or Instagram, but I don't put out a lot of my own personal content. But for our organization, Color of Change is the largest online racial justice force in the country with over 1.7 million members. We were founded in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, and and Facebook is core to our tool set. It is one of our best ways to communicate with our members, to quickly get out information, to hear from our members through Messenger and to be able to get feedback. It is a core tool set to a digital organizing means, which is why targeting Facebook and being able to, it's its such a, uh, a difficult thing because it can be such a force for good to being able to lead change, but it's also been used as a tool to weaponize against black communities. Okay, okay. So we are specifically talking about censorship and the silencing of black people on Facebook. And I know my good friend Chaney, I know you <laughs> went through a... Chaney went through a... Po- I, I swear you would come on Facebook, you would get banned, and then you would post one thing, and then you would get banned again for, for any various reason. In your memory, what would be an example of the most ridiculous ban that you have received? Understanding that Facebook doesn't ever tell you why you're getting banned. So your assumption. <laughs> yeah, I would have to say one of the most ridiculous ones was, and I don't know if, you know, I don't know if this was the algorithm of Facebook, you know, searching for words or some like troll that went into, uh, you know, some archives. But I got, uh, and my bands are for 30 days. I don't get the three or the seven. It's just 30 days. And so, um I was banned for 30 days from a post that was two years old. <laughs> um, I don't know. Again, I don't know how it was found. And that's the the messed up or fucked up part about getting banned is that you can't counteract, you know, and try to defend yourself or find out why you were banned. You know, it's just this doesn't commit, doesn't meet our community standards. And it was a meme of all things. Right. Um, and so that's, that's pretty frustrating. Um, when you log on, uh, or you make a post and then like five minutes later, you're silenced for 30 days. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's probably one of the most frustrating ones. It's like digging up old, you know, old, uh, old, old post. And <laughs> why are you bringing up old shit? Yeah, exactly. Why are you bringing up, why, no, why are you bringing up old stuff? And uh, it, it wasn't anything that was, you know, offensive or went uh, behind community, you know, against their community standards. I was just talking about white people and I used the word white people. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, How did you it's spell very, white? 
Um, well, for yeah. that post, it was it was white, but it doesn't even it matter. Was two years old. You know, now now <laughs> black folks, we have to like you know find different ways to spell the word white, whether it's white people, W Y. P-I-P-O, Six or Fs. using two Vs, or Y-T. Know, let's not give them all the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> well we're gonna, we actually going to get into community. that because I discussed yeah. exactly that with Facebook, so we're going to get to that. But I want to ask Johnny, um, as I said when I asked Cheney the question, Facebook doesn't ever really tell you why they're banning you. They simply tell you that you violated the community standards, and then they ban you, and they don't respond to any of your messages. And I know that you all have done a lot of conversations, had a lot of conversations with them around the community standards. So, in your estimation since it's a short show and they try to they give you like three pages what is the community <laughs> standards and how do they actually wield that as a weapon so that, I mean, that's a cha- uh, challenging question. It, they are long and deep. But I think the mm-hmm. challenge with the community sam- standards is they're not seated in the cultural context of the communities that they're operating in. Most of the moderation that happens, if it is done by, by a human rather than a process of a system of flags and an algorithm just determining that somebody's removed, if it goes to a human review process, which is a change that we won by pressuring Facebook, that everybody should have an opportunity for a human review, often those f- uh, folks are not even based in the U.S., mm-hmm. often don't have the, uh, have the context of racism and how it operates and functions in our uh, in our society and are frankly living very very challenging lives in sort of harrowing uh, harrowing conditions where they have to look at the filth of the internet all day and are in a contractor situation where they have very limited rights very limited uh, limited breaks and very poor pay, uh, very poor pay so Facebook hasn't done uh, part of one of the main problems of this system is Facebook has not contributed the financial resources to actually take care of making sure that folks in its community are safe. So when you, in the, the work that you guys did with Facebook, I know that there was a, a specific story. Can you tell us that story about how you all got involved in this? Sure. So the, the, the story you're referring to is one of the ones we got involved in direct engagement with Facebook. There was an activist in Georgia, and we were working uh, with folks on a campaign to take down Stone Mountain, which is a large Confederate monument just outside of Atlanta in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And she was taking direct action. And what happened is her personal information was doxxed in a white nationalist group, and people were showing up with weapons at her home and she complained through the normal channels and Facebook wasn't able to like wouldn't take it down didn't respond and you know one of her uh, one of the folks I knew who was on the ground called me and said Johnny like she's terrified you know what do we do here and luckily from our work that had started already in coalition with the uh, Rainbow Push Coalition about uh, the diversity disclosures you know those yearly reports you get from all the tech companies that say we haven't hired enough black folks yet we we (laughs) helped get those and that's what got us in that allowed us to get attention uh, attention for them and get them to actually take down the information. And that began us sort of understanding exactly how broad these problems are and how dangerous, you know, how dangerous private Facebook groups and things can be on the community. And that led to a long trajectory, which you've been part of and gone through the Facebook audit and other things. Um, But we've been pressuring them to be more responsible in how they enforce their policies and how they uh, keep folks safe on the platform ever since. Now, one thing that you brought up, Cheney, and I'm going to throw this question to Courtney, we talked about being content creators. You know, there's so many people who use Facebook and Instagram for both their businesses. Mm -hmm. And just also, social media has turned anybody who has a smartphone or a tablet into a content creator. I mean, you can make a video and be viral and be making like 15K a month and just like, you know, like that. So, Courtney, I want to ask you as far as us being content creators, and I know, like you said, you dialogue with people all the time. I don't I don't think I've ever seen you get banned. I've been banned. Chaney's been banned. Willis gets banned. I've never seen you get banned. How did you manage to do that? Well, Mark and I have a personal relationship. <laughs> oh, okay. We have an understanding. <laughs> we have an understanding. Well, well, Priscilla and I, we 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 go way back, and 
We have it. I tend to believe that you were probably one of the people that bullied him before he started Facebook. You know, (laughs) told him about that hairline. He didn't listen. So I don't know. Well, as a content creator, though, how does it how does it affect you? Even just the possibility of being banned. I mean, you're the mother of a child, you know, and I know that Caleb had his own Instagram for a moment. So how does this this prospect of being banned in silence affect you? So since I I have never been banned and it makes me feel. As if maybe I am not saying enough against white people. I'm like, shocked. Am Must I be. not? Because I say like, are you leaving white people out of your? And house? I don't spell they don't it. Like I don't, that. I spell it white. Like white people do this bullshit. I talk about white people, and I'll be like, wow, look at this nasty ass recipe. This is white people shit. I say like really snarky shit against white people, and I don't know, but to me, it's it's a part of the game, and. I don't expect it to happen, but I'm also don't feel a need to prioritize white comfort to try to keep myself from being banned. I mean, if you're going to be what I think is a a responsible content creator and as a person that has some privilege, if we're going to call shit for what it is and call things out the way they need to be, if I get banned, I get banned. And that's just... I'll live with the consequences, but it is frustrating when you have friends like Cheney who people are targeting to get reported. And it's like just literally just talking about the existence of racism and it's the, the realities of what it's like being a black person in America. It's, it's frustrating, but you know, I haven't experienced that, but I'm, I'm definitely not going to, adjust myself to try to avoid it i know that right so. well cheney i know that you use facebook kind of dually because you're also a business owner and a entrepreneur did i say that right <laughs> and so how does it affect your business and then also the other side where most of us actually use it as far as pushing back against white privilege and white supremacy etc cetera, etc cetera. how does it affect you and your existence this constant silencing through social media um it does affect um my business because Anytime you're banned, if you whatever pages you have connect connected to your personal account, you have no access to those either. Mm. So I have no access to any of my business pages. Um, aside from the cannabis business, I also have an apparel company and a event productions, you know, uh, company. And so if there's anything that's going on with any of those businesses, I have no access to make any post or to tell people, you know, we have a sale or if there's any. And so it does affect um, your quality of life as far as you being able to communicate from a personal level, you know, and on a uh, business level also. Um, and it makes being an activist, you know, very frustrating. Um, I have had people in the cannabis industry. Um, I had a, a man last year who wanted to do some business and we were communicating on Facebook, but through messenger. Uh, and he went on my page and looked at some of the content that I had. And he, uh, emailed me and was like, well, I don't feel comfortable meeting with you based on, you know, uh, some of the post. And I was like, well, that's fine because I'm the same in real life that I am, <laughs> you know, in, uh, on, online, you know, basically he wasn't comfortable with me speaking against, you know, uh, white supremacy and some of the other, some, uh, some of the other issues, issues that black people face in cannabis, which is a very white male run industry. And so, um, 
it it puts you in a position um you know do you censor yourself and me i'm like no you know i will never censor myself for uh for any industry or for anyone who feels that uh if you want to do business with me you're going to do business with the whole me mm-hmm. right um and that includes um uh my unapologetic self. So if you go on my page, that's what it has unapologetically black queer business owner, you know? So that's, that's what you get. It's no more, you know, no less. Um, but I do feel that, you know, I am monitored or, or a part of some type of monitoring group. Um, you asked about like, what was a frustrating, uh, ban well, I was a part of an action that took place, um, at a, uh, cafe last year where, uh, th- these people of color owners were being harassed because they denied service to police officers. Um, and there were a lot of white supremacists and different people there. And we were, you know, live the next day I go on Facebook and I'm banned for 30 days. So it's, 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 uh, I'm also banned from Twitter. Um, I was recently just booted from Twitter for life. Um, and so trying to figure out how I can get back on there, um, and I know that there was some troll that probably flagged one of my posts during the whole Gene Botham things. Mm-hmm. And that's when it you know, that's when it happened. And, you know, tensions were high with people and, you know, we are angry, rightfully so. But um, these platforms aren't safe for us. You know, they're not safe for us to to uh, to speak about our experiences as uh, black people living in America. Well, and it's so interesting because so all of us on here are pretty involved in politics and activism and all those sorts of things. And really, social media, I, I told Facebook this when I met them. I said, Tom didn't do this to us. Tom on MySpace let us do whatever we wanted. <laughs> he never moderated us. But now that social media has grown to where it has now in 2019, um, it is a completely political space. Anything that you're posting on Facebook, whether it's just me sitting at a city council meeting, you know, complaining about people who are talking at council, all of that has become now part of the political fodder but at the same time i recall johnny when we went to the facebook agm there were also a lot of right-wing people who were there as well talking about you know them being banned why does it feel that you know more quote-unquote liberal and especially black people are the ones who are getting the stiffest bands the longest bands the more frequent bands but you still have facebook kind of leans on the idea that the right is saying this as well how does that push and pull work yeah i mean it works in that in that they create this realm to uh, of this sort of fake opposition, that the opposite of white supremacy is civil rights, that the opposite of Republicans is uh, the opposite of Republicans is you know color of change or some, uh, something like that. It's simply they're creating these false dichotomies to reinforce the the status quo. Yeah, there were definitely folks at the AGM there, and it's the same it's the same criticism that Facebook is here that they're listening to in their sort of insular world. They project this external view of this company as a very sort of like liberal or progressive company because it's here. It's in the Bay Area, and that's like the reputation that our area has. But I'm <laughs> sure everyone knows in this room that that doesn't, like that doesn't necessarily mean you hold progressive values just because you, you know, live in proximity to San Francisco. And, but the, the, it's really telling the people that Mark Zuckerberg surrounds himself with. You know, last night a story came out that he had a secret dinner with Peter Thiel, one of his first investors and board uh, members, and Donald Trump when he was going through D.C. for the Libra, uh, Libra Convention. 
attention, uh, the Libra hearing in the House Financial Services Committee, when he was coming up with his new sort of uh, declaration on free expression on the platform from the speech he gave at Georgetown about a, about a month ago. The folks he was consulting with are Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro. The folks he has on his political staff internally are folks like Joel Kaplan, who is Brett Kavanaugh's best friend, Gross. Katie Harbath, uh, who was uh, a Giuliani, uh, Giuliani political appointee. Like they project this very like liberal version of themselves, and they think well, they think civil rights is often the case is they think it's the same thing as the Obama administration. They think this is false equivalency. Uh, the people who are in power are all from you know Bush and Trump, uh, Bush and Trump world, and some folks lower on the staff who we engage with who are doing you know challenging work internally at the company, work for the Obama administration, and then civil rights uh, community is left out of the conversation often. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had the opportunity to get back in, uh, get back into some of these conversations recently, but largely they have not considered the, the, the perspective of folks who meaningfully care about the safety of black folks on the platform. Well, it's interesting in, when you go into their content standards and the moderation, the whole the whole shebang of the machinery very much mirrors the mass incarceration system, mm -hmm. even down to the fact that when we get banned, what do we call it? We call it Facebook jail. You go to Facebook jail. If you ask Facebook, how do you get banned? They say you get three strikes. What, three strikes you're out? Three strikes you get, what, a 45? No, I'm sorry, a two-day ban. And then a, no, the first one is a 45-day ban. No, I'm getting it wrong two-day ban, then it goes up to a seven-day ban, then it goes up to 30-day ban. So everything about it, whether it's the way that they show it or the way that we internalize it, is representative of the mass incarceration system, which to me, to your point, Cheney, has resulted in us creating a whole other ecosystem where we do have to use words like white people, 6S, uh, we won't give all of them, but the, the different ways that we now have to navigate on social media. But is right. that how it feels to you as far as, like, you're basically being put in a real jail? Right, well... Going back to what he was just saying, you know, Facebook is just a uh, it's a microcosm of America. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark is the president of that. Right. Um, the problem is, as with most industries that are um, mainly my, white male run, when people are put in positions and given too much power, this is what you're given. And so I. Uh, He's not the only one, right? Um, he's surrounded himself with uh, white supremacists and holding up those agendas. But these people have their hands in everything that pretty much not only that runs America, but uh, the world, mm -hmm. right? And so they've taken away those freedom of speeches. And I hate the term Facebook jail. Um, I personally don't use that word because... I am a free person, right? Regardless of if I have to get my message through on uh, a social media platform or if I have to be at City Hall talking, right? Um, and so I just hate that term because it, it puts us, it, gi it gives them too much power mm. by saying that we are in Facebook jail or Facebook um, um, and incarcerated. But going back, you know, to, to what you said, like, uh, it, it still is an important platform. You know, I, my background is, uh, nightlife and productions. And I started on face on, on MySpace and, and that platform. And, uh, and, and can we talk about MySpace for, for, we can talk about, I tell you, because, let's all go back. because MySpace actually <laughs> gave us a lot of tools to learn things on our own. Everybody was their own coder, 
you know, you had to learn your own code. You had to <laughs> promote your own business. And that's where I really was able to uh, get a platform to start speaking about local issues, but also nightlife and different things. But it gave us a lot of more freedom and it felt like felt like home. Um, Facebook now. It is it is. Yeah, it's like. It's it's complete trash, and so <laughs> going back to what you your the question that you're asking about how we have to navigate, it's um, yeah, black folks, uh, queer and trans people mm-hmm. really have to we have to find uh, our own communities where we feel safe on the platform to even have certain discussions, you know, like our meme group, mm-hmm. right. Or other, uh, groups that, that people can join. I, I'm finding myself, um, having more dialogue in groups versus mm-hmm. just the timeline platform because it's safer. Well, here's the only thing about that. A lot of that is still, we're so socialized into both whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, a lot of the things that we think that we are creating, it's because Facebook pushed it to us. Exactly. Like Facebook is actually the one that's been pushing out this whole private conversations in groups. They've been talking about it for a while that they don't want you now having these conversations on your timeline. And to me, it's still an, an issue of them trying. Everything with them is actually about saving your own ass. That's what we used to say in the call mm-hmm. center world. Cover your own ass. So when Facebook is telling you that they're doing things, they're actually doing it more to cover themselves so they don't have to be responsible for the ways in which they, in the ways in which they c- contribute to certain things. The things that they are not monitoring because I know that we've and all still been monitoring this, right exactly they are, right. yeah, yeah. They, because they certain monitor groups, groups. Uh, yeah, there's sure. this one group that I'm a part of that is supposed to you know be safe space for black folks but black people are still getting banned, getting banned. Right. Yep. by just using certain keywords and so even within the groups there isn't like uh there still isn't a sense of real safety mm-hmm. well I wanted to actually touch on when we think about how Facebook mirrors so much of America. I think we also forget the roots of Facebook are highly misogynistic. It was just mm-hmm. a site to rank girls at school. Like well, that's all. Well, it remember, was. it was also not only was it a site to rank girls at school, but it was created by a man who couldn't get friends, and he decided to create a world where every or he a created woman. a world that he still <laughs> runs and and will not. What do we? He will not let go of. He's still what the president of the board and is he the CEO? He's, he's the CEO, chairman of the board, and he has a super majority of shares. So yeah. what he says goes. He has universal control. There is no way for any investor to make it because he, there's a dual class share structure, which means he has about fifty eight percent of voting control. So and that's why they're trying to break it up right mm-hmm. one of the reasons one of the reasons for yeah. sure but then like so much in america things were only expanded or offered to other people only because it was profitable mm-hmm. like we think about how even like how i'm involved in housing how so many times people of color obviously black people but really home ownership was only supposed to be for white people and then it got extended to Immigrants who were, for the longest time, Italians weren't considered white. Irish people weren't considered white. But when they commodified housing, they need to expand it to expand the market because they needed more money. Right. Mm. Facebook was originally not even for public use. And then it expanded to other colleges and then expanded to everyone else. And then now it's expanded to everybody, mainly because it became more profitable to do so. 
So it's still it's the the mirroring situation. I think is really interesting when people think about well, it. Well, because it it wasn't created for the, us, and it's not just a Facebook thing. There are a lot of organizations. I don't. Some people may have seen. I was in a fight recently with Auto Straddle about you know anti blackness in their space, mm-hmm. and I always say the reason that they're having an, an inability to fix that is because. Autostrado was created by some aqua white girls who wanted to get their friends together and talk about things. And actually, the, the, the CEO or the chief editor was writing L word recaps. And it just kind of expanded and it continued to grow. And then they built a camp and there was only white people at the camp and they wanted more black people at the camp and they got them to the camp and started mistreating them. So, you know, that's kind of symptomatic of a lot of different organizations. But I wanted to ask Johnny, um, I know that recently Color Change, now was it in conjunction with Facebook that the, the, the civil rights and tech convening yeah. was? Okay, so in, in conjunction with, with Facebook, there was a convening and we talked about a lot of different ways that civil rights and tech are now intersecting because we've, we've now been completely socialized into social media. It's everywhere. It's how we organize. It's how we congregate. It's how we meet our cousins that we didn't know because I got a whole bunch of cousins now that I didn't know. Very much. So, <laughs> what was the origin story of the convening and what do you think were some of the things that have come out of the convening since then sure so this was the uh, civil rights times tech town hall which we hosted in atlanta with about 80 different folks from different spaces in tech be that you know activists or authors the um you know technology folks from the city of uh, city of atlanta facebook staff and cheryl sandberg jo- uh, joined us as the coo as well as advocates that we've worked with across the uh, across the civil rights space and the point of this was to discuss the areas and to really bring facebook upper level staff especially cheryl sandberg who has been above our facebook uh the audit we've been working on uh with them for, for years out into the public and actually have to engage with communities, actually have to engage with stakeholders about what the changes they're, uh, they're making on the platform. And that was what was, you know, it was co-hosted with the, uh, them. It was after six months of really important progress that they made at the beginning of the, uh, this year on some of the changes related to the audit. Now, what was challenging about it is two days prior to uh, ch- prior to the convening, Nick Clegg, the uh, director of public policy, announced new changes, which would be solidified by Mark Zuckerberg uh, a week later. That. Um, really changed their content policy with regard to moderation and, and undid a lot of the work that the civil rights community have been fighting for. And this is the, the Trump exemptions, which you've probably been hearing from, which, do, which one exempts uh, politicians from community standards <coughs> by a pr- uh, presumption of newsworthiness. The presumption is that mm-hmm. everything that a politician says is considered newsworthy. <laughs> and Even the sheep herder in Kentucky can, ig- yeah. Exactly. Regardless of the, you know, you know, political position, regardless of how vile or how racist or how you know uh, violent it uh, it is, how much it violates community standards, it will be posted and with no acknowledgement of the fact that it was viola- uh, violating the standards. And then the other part of this, which is really uh, really challenging, is they are now no longer uh, choosing to fact check political ads mm-hmm. from po- uh, from politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, black folks were the most targeted uh, targeted by the 2016 interference campaign but Russians in the IRA and there the, Facebook has gone all in on the idea that inauthentic actors is all they needed to uh, protect what Mark Zuckerberg has said is if those ads which if you've seen check them out they're vile if those ads were run by an American citizen they're totally fine with them and we simply don't believe that they're doing enough to fight disinformation mm-hmm. that the the challenges 
messages, what's actually th the biggest threat to our democracy and some of the, the greatest source of misinformation is actually the most powerful politician we have in our country. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to take any sort of stance to evaluate the factual basis on which they're able to push ads, you've abdicated your responsibility to making sure that we have a functioning democracy. And with such a big role that Facebook play, uh, plays in it, that's just an Unaccept uh, unacceptable choice that will be viewed very poorly by history. Mm -hmm. well, what about the Facebook audit? So Mark Zuckerberg was recently uh, uh, raked over the coals mm -hmm. by several senators in a Senate hearing, um, and he mentioned the audit, which I know that you and I have both seen the audit that was done by Laura Murray, correct? Murphy, who also, yeah. Murphy, who also did the audit for Airbnb. Sure but Zuckerberg didn't know what the heck any of the audit said, which was weird. Um, but what were some of the things Things that were supposed to come out, out of the audit. And also, I want to add on to that. I know that they were creating a, a team, a social justice team that Sheryl Sandberg is supposed to be spearheading of all the people that can... Look at Cheney's face. <laughs> yeah, that that is a reaction that we've had internally talking in color. Changed several times. I'll, I'll say that uh, Sheryl Sandberg, of anyone at the upper echelons of Facebook, has committed the most to the audit and has mm -hmm. been directly engaged with our uh, president, Rashad Robinson, as well as other civil rights leaders like Vanita Gu uh, Gupta and um, Sherilyn Eiffel at the uh, LDF and has you know actually come out in the community. The results of it are very mixed, given the, tr uh, given the Trump exception. So the audit is an ongoing pro uh, process. It started following the last time Mark Zuckerberg was in it. They, they, agree they had agreed to uh, an audit by a question that Cory Booker, uh, Senator Cory Booker actually mm -hmm. asked. We've been demanding it, and Mark Zuckerberg committed at the last Senate hearing in April of 2018. But they hadn't done anything about it, and they didn't do anything about it for a long time. We sort of heard that this process was happening, but, like, there's an audit. We, hadn't, we weren't invited to many meetings. And then a story came out that they had been using a right-wing firm to attack Color of Change and other gr uh, other groups with racist and, and anti-Semitic uh, tropes, uh, specifically attacking George Soros. Um, who gives us no money for Facebook work, by the way. Um, and that really got them in gear. They were finally on the, – uh, they pulled their feet to the fire, and they realized they're getting blown up. It was one of the – it was a long New York Times expose, and they finally came to the table, and they did some good work for uh, for six, the six months in the beginning of 2019. The audit report included uh, content moderation, mm -hmm. so that involved some of the, cha uh, some of the changes about uh, having a human content moderator. It involved their update to white nationalism policy. They previously had a distinction that white supremacy and white nationalism are different and that white supremacy is banned but white nationalism is permitted they ended that the enforcement of that has been uh, sporadic it has to do with their voting and census policy so this is disinformation misinformation and voter suppression as well as suppression of census uh, census participation uh, it has to do with their ads policy so they were sued um, by some great lawyers like uh, the fair housing uh, commission and others for using discriminatory for so discriminatory ad uh, it sure is <laughs> Sure is. I could talk forever about the audit. Well, so the audit that actually came out, I can actually timestamp it because we were getting ready for Pride. I actually skipped out all the Pride stuff because I had to do the, the news mm -hmm. thing for the audit. So we'll say since June, I want to ask Courtney and, and, and Cheney, have you seen any changes in the way that, that, that black folks are censored or silenced in Facebook since then? C given the fact that Facebook should now be having human content moderators, they, are supposed, they supposedly changed some of the wording in the of the community standards. Have you seen any changes since then, or is it basically more of the same? I haven't seen any change, and I actually <laughs> see more racist shit than I have ever seen, period. Even yeah. right after 2016, I feel like it's gotten progressively more racist 
I feel like since 2018. So yeah. what about you, Chaney? It's definitely more uh, more racist and they haven't changed anything because they don't care. Mm-hmm. That's just the bottom line. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't care. If you saw the hearings, um, yeah, you're the, you know, for someone who has so much power and control over the company, the fact that you don't even know the information that came out in the audit just tells me that you don't care. <laughs> you didn't read the right? audit for your own um, Because you're a rich, rich white guy and you're just going to do whatever the fuck you want to do still, right? Um, if anything, I've seen more fake news mm. coming through Um and, the, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and act like I read every single article that comes out, but I read majority of stuff that is posted, especially if it looks like something that's completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to see these articles from these um, right wing uh, <clears throat> um, uh, outlets that are terrible, but people are just reposting them, right? One, one was like black teen brutally beats white man, blah, 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 blah. It had no name of the victim <laughs> or the suspect, nothing. But if you read through it, it had uh, pro-Trump rhetoric in it. Mm. And so I was telling the people, and these were black people posting it, right? Um Look how terrible this teen is. And, da, da, da. and so I'm starting to see stuff like that come through um, and people posting it because people, for one, Facebook isn't fact checking and people who repost don't fact check. They're just looking at head, the, headline. the headlines. And, and that actually is very dangerous within itself. Um, I'm also seeing people, myself included, I don't even feel like talking about certain issues on Facebook anymore. Um, because of the bans and the and the and the ignorance, that's why I was on Twitter more because I felt like I could and they actually, just went straight to forever. <laughs> actually, have you know better dialogue with people and the information. Uh, it's just more more direct without all of the trash. But yeah, then I get banned for life. So there you go. But I'm starting to see people who um, were more engaged and passionate about posting certain information, either leaving the platform altogether or, you know, not just or not saying anything anymore. So then that brings the the natural question is, should black people abandon social media platform? However, the truth is we have been completely socialized into social media. Again, this is how we're getting a lot of our information for organizing. This is how we're promoting our businesses. This is how we're connecting. Like, I'll be honest, I'm to the point, I don't actually want to talk to you on the phone. Send me a Facebook message. You, you might can text me, but I don't really want to talk to you. I'm more, I'm a social media person now. So how do we then create a more equitable place for black people or people of color? What happened to the campaign to bring back Black Planet? What happened to that? Uh, we just abandoned that? Well, I thought we had like salon in and we I'm, was going to do I still got this. my old Black Planet from college and I don't want to see that. We, so, I mean, we, yeah. could, we <laughs> could just go in, somebody could just recreate it for you. But I thought we was all going to move to Black Planet anyway, and then something happened. Because remember, Solange was like, yeah, yeah, I remember. And it was like, yep, we finna do this, and then nothing happened. Well, a lot of black folks have, have tried to create social media platforms, but it's kind of like... I'm. It, Facebook is like the NFL, like you don't even like it, but you know you're going to be there. Can we just be honest? Yeah. Black folk are not going to get their own social media platform. No. Okay? No. We're not going to get, and this is just me talking out of frustration as someone that is out in this world 
looking for money in a very money-driven industry, people say the same thing about cannabis, right? Mm. Well, we need this, we need that, we need equity, we need this. We need all of those things. But the bottom line is we need money. Mm-hmm. Give us the reparations that we that are owed so that we can go and start our own businesses, right? Black Planet ain't on the same level as Facebook. Because they ain't right? they, they none of these other <laughs> None of these other POC lab platforms are on the level. So unless somebody has billions of dollars to invest in somebody to start their own platform, then that's not going to happen anytime soon. The thing is, is that do we leave the platform? No. Or do we continue fighting and resisting against the bullshit that they're throwing our way so that we can have a voice? One of my concerns is that all of the business that's going on with Trump and stuff, they can take away our voice at any given time, mm-hmm. right? These devices that we have are not ours. I love talking to people on the phone. I don't like Messenger because that's monitored. So when people are reaching out for me about a certain topic, I'm like, you need to send me an email or we can talk about it on the phone. But Facebook isn't Facebook Messenger isn't safe if you're trying to organize, you know, sell cannabis <laughs> um, or do anything else. Look at how people's information is being leaked. The woman who uh, just had, you know, her personal nudes leaked and all of that other yeah. stuff. And so if we want to actually discuss about black people in general having more power on social media platforms. We need to talk about how black people can get funding Mm -hmm. to start our own uh, networks. Also platforms like this podcast. We need more black podcasts so that we can talk about uh, certain issues. People are moving to YouTube. Um, Find our Patreon and send us money. Yeah. (laughs) Find our Patreon. But a lot of the issues that we have always boil down to the issue of finances and having the actual money to go ahead and start our own shit. Because one thing that Facebook has done, and this is another reason why they've gotten so big. I don't know if you guys remember that site, Ning. Do you remember Ning? Mm-hmm. Ning was the site where you could create your own little mini Facebook. Like, and a lot of people, their organizations, they say, I have this. There was Rainbow Greek Network. That's why the explosion of, of LGBT Greek organizations happened, because someone created a Ning site, and then they all had their little sites. I don't, Facebook didn't buy Ning, but the reason I brought them up is because that was a way that, that um, black folks were creating their own social media platform, and someone did buy them. I don't know who. But Facebook did buy a lot of folks. They bought, of course, Instagram. They right. brought WhatsApp. Um, they bought some... They bought someone else who I can't think of right now. Who bought now. Snapchat? Who did that? Ain't nobody bought Snapchat. Yeah, they didn't sell. They yeah. didn't sell, which was smart of them. Yeah. And, I, you know, well, I think it was smart because look at how Instagram is. just mini Facebook. Is, is mini Facebook and how they both crash all the time, too. Um, but stop selling to people, mm-hmm. you know. Stop allowing these conglomerates to, you know, continue growing by selling out, you know, for it's easy, but don't do it. (laughs) Okay. Well, we do. We wanted to give some time for questions and answers. Michelle is going to monitor the questions and answers. We got about what? Five minutes for questions and answers. Okay. All right. Did anyone have any questions? Oh, Michelle. That's why Michelle's pushing for the Q and (laughs) a go ahead. Michelle. (laughs) Um, thank you so much for this incredible conversation, and it really has popped out 
a lot of thoughts. We don't have time for all the questions that I have. But um, while we're on the topic of utilizing other platforms, I, I still see, I mean, right, the LGBTQ community has always used uh, internet or internet sources to, to organize, mobilize, hook up, and all that stuff. And we have issues within those same apps of what we're talking about, like racial, mm-hmm. you know, sexism and um, homophobia, even homophobia, trans- transphobia. Transphobia. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely, right? So why can't we take the power away from Mark Zuckerberg? Why can't we just, why isn't, why can't somebody, I mean, I know it comes down to like money, where are we going to get the money to do that, um, to create, you know, another, another social media platform that's rival or uh, competition, competition with Facebook? Or do you think that we are just living in this world where we've, we've, we have to fight them to change their policy to be inclusive of everyone? Uh, if we can't fight them, like, why can't we leave them? Um, and that leads to the second half of the conversation, which is the fear of their, you know, data mining, like all this stuff that, you know, we're putting out there on the Internet and, and our social media habits, like all that I'm sure of is being collected, obviously, for their marketing and advertising efforts. And I don't know, coding or brain or whatever they want it whatever they're doing with it so um there's that there's that other thought where uh uh is it would it be so bad to leave social media altogether especially uh with the the justification that they're mining our information anyway I think the big and I'll, I'll throw it to you Cheney and then Johnny I think one of the big things having worked with students and why I keep bringing up this idea of socialization. Um, we didn't get to play it here, but there's the YouTube video that went with the USA Today article, and it featured me in my classroom with my kids. If you go and watch that video and don't pay attention to me, actually look at them, they are on their social media all day. They have already, they at 15, 16, 17, have already been socialized into this world where even more than us, their whole world revolves around social media. Their fights everything revolves around social media. So we've already got the next generation. Unless we, we would have to come up with a robust plan that basically gets us out, like in the movie, and then gets them out as well. To me, So that for me, it's the thing about the, the future generation is already on it and already it's already implanted in them. What about what about you and um, Johnny? What do you think about that? I know you guys talked about it, about breaking up Facebook. Oh, um, uh, well, to answer your, your, your question... I think we we need both. We need to hold Facebook accountable. You have to hold the the largest companies accountable because they're the ones that kind of set the tone for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, you have um, queer dating sites where um, you know black and Asian men are being discriminated against, right? Um, and so on and, and and so forth. We have to set the standard. Also, I think social media would just be completely boring without black and gay people. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, look oh, at, yeah. look at all the gifts. <laughs> all the gifts are either, uh, of, uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't, that's, that's where everyone is getting the, the culture. culture from. <laughs> right. And so if we were to leave, it would just be, you know, uh, potato salad and raisins. You know, <laughs> it, <I'm> out. On, <laughs> uh, on there. But it, it is important that, um, like Carolyn was saying, you know, the new generation, we're the last ones that know how to survive with and without technology. Mm-hmm. The new generation does not. Does not. They, they do not. And so 
it, it, it's important for survival um, that we get this right and that we just don't accept what we're given from these companies and demand that they change their misogynist, racist culture that's within companies. Mm. And if I can ask you to add on to, to your, your, your answer, Johnny, because I know some sites have tried to um, they've tried to fight against abuse and racism in ways that still hurt people of color and queer folks. Like we, I think about um, what was it Craigslist when they basically got rid of the classifieds because they thought that it was abusive or whatever their reasons, but it actually ended up hurting sex workers mm-hmm. because they didn't have a safe place to go. Mm-hmm. So what is that, that? Does that look like when we're pushing and we're trying to? hold them accountable and they're just creating ways to get around it instead of actually fixing things. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be a panel in, 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 in of its own. And I'll, I'll, what I'll say to that is that the work is hard and that they're, that it takes a commitment to affirmatively want to, uh, want to do it. And there are companies who have chosen to say it's hard. We're going to do it a- a- anyway. And most of them have uh, said, we're going to pay lip service to this and not really do it. And some folks have completely just, Abandoned space, uh, abandoned spaces, because they feel the work of racial equi- uh, equity, gender equity, whatever, uh, whatever is too too challenging. And I think that's a real, uh, I think it's a real failure of corporate leadership in in those cases. Um, but what I really appreciate, what about, what about you had to say, Cheney, is that we do need to, to to fight here. I think like some of the questions that raise, I think they create a system of of false choices that we're being presented. Mm-hmm. We can either you know engage directly with fa- uh, with Facebook and demand and sort of fail at the end, or we can leave uh, Facebook. And there are other uh, other options. So one, the choice to leave Facebook is a false choice because you're not the only one that provides your data to Facebook. If one of your contacts has shared their contacts with Facebook, they've got a profile on you. There are people who don't even have Facebook accounts and never have who have shadow profiles which are being used to advertise and create information about them. So the ability to meaningfully opt out in our current regulatory system on data is impossible. So that's where we have a third choice is we get to define the rules of the internet. And we, I think, I think we being politicians have largely failed to take action. In California, we've had some leadership on this. There's a great data, sort of GDPR-style data privacy legislation that's going to take effect starting January, which is good. And I think we have the opportunity in this state particularly to be a vanguard guard of change, to push folks like our attorney general to be more aggressive in their antitrust investigations uh, of Facebook. Because that is another false choice. They're creating this false choice by by having so much power, by having monopoly power, over 75% of all internet traffic goes through either Facebook or Google. Mm. That is too much market, uh, market control for there to be able to have. The, it squashes small business, uh, small business ability to use the internet to sort of make the, uh, these changes. So, but we have the opportunity to write the rules for the internet, for an internet that we believe in, that creates safety for our communities. And I think that's what, that's what we really need to be doing as we think about legislation in the ne- next several years. The rules will be written in the next few years. They're being written in D.C. and legislatures across the country, and their lobbyists have geared up, and we need to strap and we need to be We need to be engaged. We need to be using our voice, of, yeah. as with any other policy, so they know what the policy should look like. If we don't say anything, then the policies will be created without us. Mm-hmm. Right. And representation, making sure that these companies actually have people at the table that's right. representing all communities. If you just have people at the table that come from the same lived experiences or look alike, you will forget about the sex workers. You will forget yep. about 
um, uh, underserved communities. And that's why we have to make sure that we stay on their heads to actually have diversity, not just for people, you know, uh, diversity at the board and also in the offices, Um, real diversity. And when I mean diversity, I don't mean one gay white guy and some (laughs) other non-black person, but from (laughs) the, from the board of advisors to executives, you have to make sure that every person is, is represented. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, going back to the Facebook marrying America, mm-hmm. when it's, oh, if you don't like how Facebook is, just leave it. That's what people say about America. Mm-hmm. Instead, of, <laughs> instead of saying, you know, hey, let's look at how problematic our policies well, no and our society mm-hmm. is. It's just, well, if you don't like America, then you can just leave. And it's like, first of all, I'm not going any fucking where. What's about to happen is you're going to get some act right, and we need to push back against that. Because then, like Cheney said, if we leave, where's the accountability? There's going to be no one pushing back, no one holding them accountable. So then it's, it's just a cop-out. Not, not saying that people who want to leave are copping out because I also, when people are like, I needed to leave Facebook, I get it. I get it. And people who leave like the Bay Area or they leave America because it was like, you know, this shit was just a little bit too much. And I just I need to hold my own space and my mental health and, and whatever. I get that, too. But it's just, well, if you don't like it, you need to leave. No, that's not how shit's mm-hmm. going to go down We're we're going to sit here together and we're going to work out. out a solution. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit here together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of course, Facebook. Uh, and you, Caroline, you mentioned podcasts as being a place where you can kind of go and, and get your message out as well. Are podcasts another area where these large companies are able? I mean, you're, you can distribute your podcast over multiple platforms, so there's less of a chokehold, but they're still great. Because <laughs> I'm wondering if that's another way to target you, because that's. That is a place where people build businesses and voices and, and communities. So this is the 50th episode of the C-Dub show, but we were, this is actually, has it been, it's three years, no, it's only two years, right? It's been two 20, years. 2017. So when we started, so you have to go back to our anniversary shows where I tell the story, the origin story of the C-Dub <laughs> show. It started with a woman, and that was in 2017, I think, 2016, and it's 2017 I was dating this woman. And back then there wasn't that many podcasts out there. I just knew that I wanted to create a podcast. And now podcast are everywhere. Anyone can create a podcast. It's still an evolving um, economy. But there was a point, this is when Spotify wanted to have a fellowship, and then somebody else did, not Pandora. Google, I think. So at first, podcasts were really this weird thing that people were recording. And then when Spotify and I think Google or Pandora wanted to get into the space, but the thing is, they wanted to own your podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the big thing with podcasts right now is that a lot of people don't really know how to put podcasts out there. So a lot of them want to be, we're on Spotify now. I mean, we can't play music anymore. Um, but the big thing right now is people are still learning how to navigate podcasts, how to get your voice out there as a, a larger podcast. We've been around for two years, but we are still not the read, honestly, because we are not affiliated with a large corporation or a large conglomerate. But to Cheney's point, you don't have to sell out. You know, you have to just we have to keep doing the work, doing the work. Um, Podcasts are still are starting to be a little bit more regulated now as we are getting on the Spotify's of the world. iTunes never listen to our podcast. Spotify does. 
So it's it's coming. It's not like Facebook. Remember, Facebook is about t- 15 years in the game now. So we have to stay ahead of the game as far as how do we continue to make sure our our voices are authentic because that regulation is actually already coming to the podcast platform. Mm-hmm. Unless I just do all my stuff with the Commonwealth Club. <laughs> then there's that. And then there's that. Um, does anybody else have any questions before I ask another question? I want to go back to Facebook. Um, okay. Because it, it, I think there, uh, this is pretty scary as we enter into this, uh, you know, era um, in which we are, our, our hands are almost tied in, in that uh, we kind of have to socialize in this way in some way or form, even if you don't want to be on Facebook. So the question is really, who are some of those key people that we can identify or organizations that are willing to do the work and have the, the power to address and confront, you know, Facebook and Google and, and ensuring that um, the Internet is safe for all of us. And how do people get involved? Because there was once upon a time, actually, and I can't get into the details of the, speci- the specifics around the situation, uh, but that but Facebook was also called out for a policy their name, their authentic name policy in which mm-hmm. you had to enter your legal mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that there were community activists who went up against that policy as it harms LGBTQ, especially transgender folks, and native indigenous folks, especially black folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and although that they had put out this very we care kind of um, attitude and had brought in activists to their 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 headquarters and said they were going to hire all these people. They're going to do all these things. It was like a two year process. At the end of the day, not much has changed. Yeah, they still enforce that policy. And I, I yell this to anybody who listens. There are still backdoor ways that they enforce the, the real name policy. So one thing that I was asked about the censorship was how does it affect my business? And I said, when we promote this podcast, I actually had Ashley Yates, um, a community organizer from Ferguson, on the show. And to this day, I still cannot promote that episode on Facebook or Instagram because she, as a name, is is basically mm-hmm. being monitored. Mm-hmm. And so I had to like fill out this thing and say, we didn't know you were going to do political statements. And I'm like, it's, it's just Ashley. It's just me talking to my friend. And so they wanted, they made me upload my license well my name on facebook is not my real name it's dub carolyn for obvious reasons well because of the kids and they they still will not let me do political ads and that's anything when i had kevin powell on the show his book is called my mother of obama and and donald trump or something like that i can't promote that episode mm-hmm. so they still mm-hmm. have ways of actually backdoor that real name policy yes so so yeah, and, and also for ways just going to your point, I had the same issue when I was um, on Instagram. I was trying to promote a post um, for an upcoming like uh, council meeting or something like that. But anything that is like for for us regular uh, citizens, we can't promote. Any type of political, but our lives are political. Everything about it is political. Well, John, John can tell you how many run-ins he's had in trying to promote certain programs <laughs> that we, even the Commonwealth Club is being monitored. Uh, but so you know, there was a thing about that whole authentic name thing, and and there were LGBTQ activists who had brought this to the community's attention, and there was something that Mark Zuckerberg w- feared, in which it it prompted him to get on the phone. <laughs> now be careful you know i can only say certain things i know <laughs> but what i'm trying to say is 
I would like to know, I, I think Johnny had gotten to, in, into this, but that there are key folks or organizations or some kind of uh, mobilization to, 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 to confront. And I think that there are certain things that Mark Zuckerberg cares about that could be his weakness if we start taking some of that power away. I'm just throwing an example out there, but say, for example, if they were potentially banned from a big, you know, thing that they cared about and couldn't really show off how uh, not inclusive that they truly are, that 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 could that could maybe lead to some of the changes we want to see. I'll stop there. Well, that's a good question. I know Johnny can answer because I mean, I'm fortunate to go to the gym with Johnny. So that's how I was. But now I've be, I become the per- usually <laughs> I become the person that my friends now go to. I get e- uh, inboxes all the time. My friend got banned. My friend who has a 30,000 member group got, you know, shut down. So but I guess the, Michelle's question is, where does the regular person who doesn't know a Johnny go for something like that? Uh, so a couple a, a couple of things uh, I'll, I'll say about that. One, Color of Change. You can check us out at colorofchange.org, Color of Change on Facebook. We're active on our messenger. You can message uh, just that way. I'll send you a link to our Facebook petition to put in the show notes or so, uh, something like that. So we're a great organization to reach out to. But another point that I think um, Michelle is get, uh, getting at in sort of a, a roundabout way is that I think Facebook is allowing to um, – take part in a broad swath of sort of cultural and societal institutions. And we need to take a real, real consideration as to whether they should be part of these institutions because they're doing it all across the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. They want to be part of August events in the San Francisco community. And they also want to fund the Federalist Society, which is a regressive conservative organization that promotes uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And they don't get to, they don't get to be on all sides of this. I do think there's a, Mm -hmm. there's a thought and a response ability of how do we like what is what does engagement look like what is it what are the necessary requirements to allow corporations into our circle we as an organization we refuse to take corporate money we don't take any money from corporations that don't share our values which is except uh excludes basically credo working assets here in san francisco is a progressive uh organization um but it becomes really challenging even with just access to access to power so it's 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 a difficult difficult thing to navigate for sure and i think it's how we can really move this because culture is going to shift this more than more than policy more than outrage more than anything it's him feeling like they're uncomfortable in their own world well, it looks like we are out of time. The way that we end every show is by getting everyone's ta-da social. <laughs> so, Johnny, where can the people find you to ignore them in social media? Sure, uh, <laughs> I am at Johnny Math on Twitter and Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and at Color of Change on all those platforms as well. Uh, and our pack is at Voting While Black. All right, and Chaney, where can the people find you on social media? Uh, you can find um, me on Facebook, uh, Cheney Turner. My backup page is Cheney Chisholm for for, this. for when I get banned. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm going to talk to you, see if you can lead me to how I can get back on Twitter. My Twitter <laughs> is uh, Social Life Five One Zero. Uh, my backup Twitter is account <laughs> is OAK, and uh, my Instagram is uh, social underscore life. Uh, you can also find the uh, business pages, my TPD national on Instagram, and also Town Biz Oakland on Instagram. All one word. All right, and Courtney, you where can, can they find you? You can find media. me 
Un- don't send her no un- fuck shit. Un- don't don't do the fuck shit. Please don't. <laughs> um, you can find me on Facebook at Courtney Cecilia Welch and also on Instagram at underscore short Courtney underscore and on Twitter, which is very tame because all I do really on Twitter is talk about housing policy. But maybe I'll take up I'll take up for you, Cheney, and just yeah. start. Yeah, I'm gonna send you some stuff. Yeah, send me some send, send me some content and I'll <laughs> post it on your behalf and let's see. <laughs> If we can get this band rate up for me, because I feel like I'm, I feel just a little, I'm, a little I'm less black I'm, with, I'm with Cerny, out. I'm feeling, little, out on Twitter. I'm feeling a little square over here. Um, and also on, um, yeah, Twitter at Short Courtney. So you can find me on Facebook as Dub Carolyn, um, as well on Instagram and Twitter as C Dub the Host. You can find the C-Dub Show across all social media platforms as the C-Dub Show. Please make sure you visit our site, SSNPodcast.com. You can listen to all of our episodes as well as our main show, which is the Say Something Nice Podcast. And please donate. There's a donate tab at the top of the page. Please donate. And then go to iTunes and Spotify. Listen, share, subscribe. So this has been the 50th episode of the C-Dub Show. We will see all of you in the interwebs later. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Michelle Meow Show, your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. We're here every Thursday live at the Commonwealth Club. And you can listen to past shows at commonwealthclub.org slash MMS.